Yeah, let, let's go ahead and let's get into the word. Uh, the, the Lord laid a word on my heart this week um, as we continue in this series, An Amazing House with a Beautiful Garden. This series is all about the blessing of God's house, a healthy local church. That's the synopsis of the series. The blessing of God's house, a healthy, not a perfect, but a healthy local church. And um, so I'm, I'm in a teaching mode, and, and so we are a note-taking church, so I want to encourage you to, to go ahead and get ready for that. And um, we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, started the church in Corinth on his second missionary journey. Um, the Apostle Paul was called to the Gentile people. And so uh, a lot of the disciples were called to the Jewish people. But Paul was sent by Jesus Christ himself to go throughout the world and share the gospel with people who are non-Jewish. So that would be me and like most people in this room. And uh, so we thank God for Paul even to this day. Nearly 2,000 years later, his impact still speaks. And so he, he starts this church on his second missionary journey. And uh, in a future time, he writes back to the church a few letters. Most historians believe that he wrote three letters. The Bible only has two of them, canonized two of them. And uh, he writes back to address some issues. It's a very strong letter. Um, but in this particular excerpt of Scripture, we're going we're gonna to see how the church is described as a body. So week one of the series, we talked about the church as a house. Last week, we talked about it as a garden. This week, we're going to talk about it as a body. Okay? Are we ready? All right, so I have some lengthy reading at the beginning, and then I'll get into... The preaching, and, and we'll go from there. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, and it says this here. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Someone say body of Christ. Yes, yes. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves. These were indentured servants, right? So these were people who may have broken the law. And instead of doing jail time, they had to work for someone. And they may have gotten some minimal pay. So these were not like slaves taken by force. These were indentured servants, okay? And some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. Someone say one spirit. And we all share the same spirit as a church. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. If the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if, you were, or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. Someone say many parts. So there, there are many parts to the body of Christ. Not everyone is a hand. Not everyone is a voice or, or a mouth or whatever. You know, there, there are many parts to make this thing work. And he says this here, verse 18, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. Churches get in trouble when parts try to be parts they weren't created to be. That's when division and politics and all that crap sets in, right? 
And it says this here. How strange a body would be if it had only one part, exclamation point. He's going in. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest, I love this part, and least important are actually the most necessary. So a lot of times the pastor gets all the credit for everything And the pastor needs everybody in the church to be anything. You know what I mean? So so I'm nothing without you. But I love what Paul says. You're nothing without me. We need each other. You know what I mean? And and, And so he says this here. The parts that we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This is is why at Highlight we put such an emphasis on recognition, appreciation, and celebration. This is why it's, it's cultural. We want everyone to know that they matter. And it says, this makes for harmony, verse 25, among the members so that all the members care for each other. If any one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Is that not true? Like when you see someone getting honored or getting some credit, or it makes you feel good. You know what I mean? It's about all of us. Verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body. Someone say Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. You know, oftentimes we get upset when things don't function the way that they should. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was working on this message and, and uh, I was thinking about first car love. Anyone remember their first car? Or maybe you still got it, which is great if you do. That's great as long as it's working. That first car love, though. I remember my first car was a, a 1996 Nissan Maxima. It was kind of, ooh, I guess that's a big deal. Um, it was a big deal then. First car love. It was a hand-me-down for my mom, but it's all good. She moved up to a GMC Envoy 2004. Very nice. Very nice upgrade. Um, And so it was awesome. First car, you know, drove it to school my junior year and and high school, senior year. That sucker was faithful all the way up to Tallahassee freshman year. Well, I couldn't drive it freshman, freshman year, but I would drive it when I got back home. Sophomore year, it was faithful. Junior year in college, it was faithful. And then you begin to run into what I call first car hate. You know what I'm talking about. When that sucker starts breaking down. And and it's a heartbreaker. It's a heartbreaker. You're my first car. You're faithful. Yeah, yeah. You you don't leave me on the side of the road. Yeah, you're registering, right? But that sucker started to break down. I remember one day, um, it was like 20, 20 degrees outside. And it was nighttime. I think I was driving down Tennessee Street in Tallahassee. I was going from the store, going home back to my apartment. And some guy pulled over to the side, and he's like, get your window down, down, down. I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, the back of your car. And, and my car was releasing so much smoke. And I'm like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. 
You're saved, so you can't cuss. That's all you want to do. Ah! Two years early, you say something. You know what I mean? So you pull over, and you just feel helpless. First car, hey, that sucker was not functioning. And uh, we, we just went on a trip to, to uh, Virginia, uh, me and PK, and we were poured into by some amazing pastors. And we took that drive. It was about an hour and a half, and, and we got there, and, and she jumped in the shower, and I waited, and I said, all right, well, I'm going to shower because our, our dinner is in about an hour and a half. Let me go ahead and jump on in, you know. And so turned on the water, and I just preached about how much I love showers. You see how the devil don't like me? The devil don't like me. Young and on to come up. He don't like me. He don't like me. And so I'm like, I'm about to shower. I turn on the shower. Cold. Wait five minutes. Cold. Wait ten minutes. Cold. And I mean, we're in this, this place where PK, PK loves lodges, so it's not the typical hotel. She li- likes rustic and all this stuff. And, and I'm just looking at her like, she's trying not to, you know, she see I'm just slowly Ah, you're a pastor, you're a pastor, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. You don't supposed to get mad. You're supposed to be happy at everything. And she's trying to make me happy. Babe, just wait a few minutes. And I don't want to mess up her experience, right? Turn it on half an hour later, cold. And so we text our Airbnb manager and we're like, what's going on? And they say, this has never happened ever. In four years, this has never happened. And I'm like... Devil, devil's real upset. God's about to give me something that I can take back to Gaithersburg. And oh boy, he's upset. So I took my musty self to the dinner and um, I'm playing. I'm playing. I never smell you. <laughs> if you know me. But we get upset when things don't function as they should. And, and the reason we get upset is go ahead and write this first note down is it's because I was created to function. You were created to function. It's not just first car love or first car hate. It's not just a cold shower. It's, it's life. And when life is not coming together or not functioning, we get upset because think we were created to, to function. Uh, things were created to, to fall in place. When God created Adam, his intent was to bless Adam and, and to give Adam a purpose and for Adam to thrive and for Adam to never lack in his needs. And we get upset when things are, when things are broken. I, I've come to find out that, that I function best, or you can write this down, you function best when you are attached to something greater than self. That, that's when things begin to fall in line for your life. There has to be at a certain point in a certain season of your life, when you feel like things are just all over the place, there has to be the appropriate fusion so that you can begin to, or so that things can begin to function the way that they should. And a lot of us, we're, we're detached. We're detached from, from the word of God. We are detached from the body of Christ. We're detached and honestly, I, I've never seen a thumb function well without the body. A, a thumb. I've never seen it function. It, it, it dies. It, I've never seen a pinky function without the body. I've never seen a, a, a foot function without the body. And I don't know what you are. I don't know if you're a pinky. I don't know if you're an index finger. I don't know if you're a thumb. But 
I'll just tell you, based upon the truth of God's word, if you keep playing church, just to zone us in, if you keep playing church, you won't function well. That's, and that's what Paul is getting at. He's saying, you know, I, I'm a foot and I'm an ankle and I'm an ear and I, I'm not worth anything. Paul is saying it doesn't matter what you think. What matters is, is if you go through another week of being upset, if you go through another week of lacking peace, if you go through another week of lacking support, you'll continue in that if you don't get fused in the way that God has, has proposed for you to, to get fused in. And so I function best when my life is fused to something greater than me. And that something greater, go ahead and write this down, is in fact the body of Christ, which is a healthy local church. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember the quality of my life when I wasn't fused with a healthy local body. Not a perfect local body healthy. I remember the way I thought and how I approached situations, how there was no encouragement, no, no accountability, no one there to pray for me, no one there to support me. I mean, it was a dark place. But when I got fused in, things began to, to fall into place. What I want to do today is I want to give us three strengths of a healthy church body. Three strengths of a healthy church body and the need to be fused with the church. And today's message is entitled Fusion, Function, and Fulfillment. Anyone want to be fulfilled? Show of hands. Want to be fulfilled? Yeah, the the first strength of a healthy church body that you need to attach yourself to is, number one, is is power. A healthy church is, is powerful. I remember uh, 2006, September, I was in love with video games, freshman in college. Wasn't studying much at all. But I would hit some NBA 2K6. Oh, my God, that sounds so far away. 2K6. And I loved it. I loved, I loved Little Wayne and, and Jay-Z and, and T.I. Now it's all these funny names. Little Yachty and I don't know anymore. I don't listen to that stuff. Don't don't bring that in here, then. <laughs> I was just listening to that stuff, and and um, my best friend he would invite me to this Bible study for weeks on end, and finally I said yes to it. And about four weeks into that small Bible study, a few people showed up. The message was so powerful. At the end, I, I came to the pastor and I said, "I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go." And so we went back into this classroom in the English building on Florida A&M, Florida A&M University's campus. And I prayed that prayer of salvation. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I, all my sins were washed away, forgiven, all that good stuff. And I don't know what happened, but as I walked out and as we were heading back to the car, the tears just started to flow. And there's just this overwhelming sense of God's love and his approval for my life. And if my friend were here on this front row, he'd tell you that. He just, he could not control him. I was crying like a baby. And I didn't know it then, but I do know it now that in the moment, take this note, that was what you call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I received not just salvation, not just forgiveness, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now let's, let's break down some terms here. So the word baptize, here it is, means to 
uh, to, to be immersed, or it means immersion. And so Jesus promised when he was on the earth, he says that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so when he ascended into the, into the heavens, what he did was he released the gift of the Holy Spirit. And whenever you come to Christ, you receive the gift of God on the inside of you. It's the most powerful thing that can happen in your life on this side of heaven is to receive God on the inside of you. So, so what, what happened was the Holy Spirit on October 16, I think, 2006, that night the Holy Spirit left heaven, went under into the earth, and came into my heart. And there was a tangible change in my life. I mean, a real deal change in my life. And in that moment, I was, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, but I also, here it is, received the power of the Holy Spirit. The power. And in the Greek, that word is dunamai or dunamis. And it's where we get the English term dynamite, the power of the Holy Spirit. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit, and you need to be attached to a church where the power of the Holy Spirit is flowing. Paul actually said this to the church in Ephesus chapter one. He says this to them. He says, I also pray that you will understand, here it is, the incredible greatness of God's power. Someone say power. For us who believe. This is the same mighty power. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Verse 20, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, now, many, many, many of you have received the Holy Spirit, and it's different for different people. Some of you were raised to believe that, you know, once you receive the Holy Spirit, you should have spoken in tongues. S- some churches teach that. that. That's a whole different ball game. That's not necessarily true. Some people have no real reaction to it. It's just, I came to Christ, and some people cry. There are different ways that the Holy Spirit manifests itself when you're saved. But what is true is what the scripture teaches is that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the same power that the Father utilized to raise Christ from the grave. And it's a very powerful thing. And and part of the reason why you feel weak and why a lot of people feel as though they lack power is because they're not fused or infused with a powerful local church. And so Paul says this here, that raised Christ from the dead. Skip down to verse 23. And the church, here it is, is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I just, I feel weak. I feel, I feel discouraged, man. What's going on in life, man? Just, I can't seem to get over the hump, man. Like, oh my God. You lack power. I'm stuck in this addiction. I'm, I'm stuck in this shame. I'm, I'm stuck in this habit. I'm, uh, I'm stuck in this attitude, this mindset. You lack power. You lack power. Anyone got, let me see your phone, Chrissy. <clears throat> so your soul is like this phone or your body. Your soul and your body is like this phone. And um, when you're born again, or when you come to Christ, if this phone were to die, when you come to Christ, it's like 
plugging this phone into a charger. Okay. And you get the power you need. And what happens when you come to Christ is that your spirit man comes alive. Your spirit man. Because the Bible says that you're dead in your spirit because of your sins. When you come to Christ, Holy Spirit comes in, brings you to life like a charger into a phone. You detach from the charger. And if you detach long enough, you lose power. But you have the framework to receive power. You can come to Christ. No, 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 no. Receive this. You can come to Christ and detach from the local church. But you got to admit that when you come back to church, you feel empowered. And that's what Ephesians is talking about. Let's reread that verse, okay? Because I I don't think I taught it well. Here it is, verse 19. I also pray that you will, here it is, understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us. Someone say us. Who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Skip down to verse 23. And the church, someone say the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. You will be hard pressed to find in the New Testament Bible a spirit-filled Christian who is not attached to a local church. You can read it through and through. You won't find them. Because when you receive the Holy Spirit, he gives you three things. Go ahead and write these down. They won't pop up on the board. The Holy Spirit, number one, gives you peace with God. You feel that peace. You're right with God. Not because of your works, but because of what Christ has done on the cross for you. Peace with God. The Holy Spirit, number two, gives you the ability, this is so important, to change. Woo. Don't we all want to change? If, if we took some time, we could, go, we, we could go across this church and ask, what area of your life do you want to change? All of us will have at least two or three things we want to change. The Holy Spirit gives you the supernatural ability to change. And, and it's, it's a big word, though, just making it more simple, called sanctification. What you really want in your soul is you want to be more like Christ. And the Holy Spirit gives you that ability and he gives you that desire to be more like Christ. So there's a reason why when people come to Christ that battle with alcohol, as they read their Bible, as they pray, as they worship, as they plug into the church, that that taste, that desire begins to die out. Because the Holy Spirit is putting his foot on the neck of that alcoholic spirit. Yeah, y'all need to clap for that. That's freedom. And it's like, uh, I want it, but I don't. And that's what Paul calls the, the flesh and the spirit battling, right? And, 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 and what I asked the staff this week is I, I, we read through Galatians, the, the fruit of the spirit and, and the works of the flesh. And I just asked the staff last Monday, I said, who's your boss this week? Is it your flesh or is it your spirit? The spirit brings forth joy, goodness, patience, uh, gentleness, faith, love, peace, all these great things, self-control. The spirit works those things, the ability to change. If you want to change a girl in any area of your life, you need self-control. 
self-control. I don't know what happened. I was packing my bags, putting my white shoes in my bag this morning, and and the Holy Spirit said, if people want to be successful, they need self-control. They need discipline. It's not about talent. It's about discipline. So the Spirit gives you the ability to change. The third thing it does, here it is. This is so important. The Holy Spirit gives you the desire for church. It gives you a desire for church. And in order for life to function, the power of the Spirit in your life must be cultivated through your fusion with a healthy body. In order for life to function, I've been in this long enough now, walking with Christ for 15 years, pastoring, pastoring for almost eight years. And I've seen the staunch difference in the quality, if you want to get practical, in the quality of life. From when people are rooted and, 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 and attached to the body versus when they detach. And it's like, man, you started, when you started here. And maybe someone got in your ear. Maybe, maybe I didn't throw in a tic-tac before we talked. He's like, I ain't never coming back. You know what I mean? I don't know what happened, but you detached. And now we have to do reconstructive things in your life to get you free versus staying attached and just growing in the power of the spirit and not going back 10 steps a year from now, but going forward 10 steps a year from. This is where you clap. Going forward 10 steps. saying to understand big dreams you know but it's it's good it's word you know what I mean I've just seen it I've seen divorce I've seen uh, addiction kick back in I've seen suicidal thoughts kick back in versus those who just say it's hard but I'm overcoming I really don't want to be here this Sunday pastor but I'm here and and that's intentionally staying fused in with, with the local church that's intentional yeah Yep. Number two, the, the second strength of, of a healthy body is purpose. Paul hits on this idea of purpose. The hand can't say to the eye, the eye can't say to the foot. You know, it, it, every part has a purpose. The top, questions, the top question pastors get all the time is, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? Let me tell you what it is not. Go ahead and write these things down. <laughs> Before I tell you what your purpose is, because it's very simple. Your purpose is not, number one, to make a lot of money. Go ahead, write that down. I don't see you writing. You're looking at me like you're mad with me or something. (laughs) Your purpose ain't to make a lot of money. Nothing wrong with it. It's not evil. Your purpose is, here it is, number two, not to be famous and popular. And to deduce your value to the number of followers you have on social media. It's not your purpose. Your purpose is not to... I hear some laughs over here. Your purpose is not to receive a higher education. It's not your purpose. None of that's evil. If God calls you to it, go for it. I'll be pursuing my master's and PhD soon. But, 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 no, 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 celebrate that. that that's, that's, but, but that's not your purpose. You know what I mean? Celebrate when I graduate. You know what I mean? 
but that's not your purpose. Here, here it is. I do have the answer for you. You ready? You ready? Your purpose, here it is, is to impact, so simple, to impact one life at a time. That's your purpose. That's your purpose, to, to impact one life at a time. Love the Lord your God and love people as you love yourself. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to take this mindset. This, this is so life-changing. I promise you, it's not sexy. It's not popular. It won't make it on the news. No one's going to tag you on social media. But I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. When, when, when you get done doing this for the next decade, where you will be in your life, it's going to be, oh, my God. Take this, into every, take this mindset into every area of your life. When you're in the grocery store, ask yourself, whose life can I impact today? How can I greet this cashier? How can I make eye contact with the person I walk by? How can I, you know, treat the, the workers as they walk by, the other customers? Just take this mindset. Take this mindset. Take this mindset when you're studying. Don't just study because of the salary attached to the career at the end of the degree. Here it is. I'm telling you, study like this. As I'm studying, who am I becoming so that I can change someone's life in the future. As I study this material, as I take this test, as I dive into this subject, who am I becoming? As I try to learn chemistry and biology and, and, and government, who, who, who is God positioning for in the future? Keep, keep the people in mind as you study. Take this mindset. You're one-on-one encounters. This is your purpose. This is the reason you're living. Everything in this room has a purpose. This monitor has a purpose. It's helping me teach you the word of God. This microphone has a purpose. This table has a purpose. This Bible has a purpose. This cup has a purpose. The water in it has a purpose. This iPad has a purpose. This thing has a purpose. This has a It all has a purpose, and it's the same with the body of Christ. The ear has a purpose. The hair has purpose. The, the, the head has purpose. The eyes have purpose. The biceps have purpose. Every part of what God created has a purpose. Ask yourself this. Who am I going to impact tomorrow in my workplace? How am I going to serve my boss? How am I going to serve the vision? How am I going to make the mission better? How am I going to clean this place better? That's your purpose. Your purpose is to impact one life at a time. It's the same thing with church. And it's okay to not be okay when you come to church. That's why we come. We come to, to get prayer. and We come to be encouraged. And we come to be lifted up. And we come to have an encounter with God. But then at a certain point, you got to ask yourself when you come to church, who am I coming to bless? Who am I coming to bless? Every single part has a purpose. And, 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 and when you feel like you lack purpose, watch me now. I haven't forgotten about my message. When you feel like you lack purpose, it's because you're not attached to something that has purpose. You're attached to friends and, and a mindset and, and, and certain things and certain people that aren't working and walking in purpose. So you don't feel like you have a purpose. You are detached from the purpose of God in your life. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very encouraged because we, every single month we have what's called super steps. 
and it enables you to learn about the church, but we also teach the spiritual gifts that God has placed on the inside of you. We help you to discover your personality that God has given you and the passions that God has placed on the inside of you so you can live out your God-given purpose. And this is an equation. Go ahead and write this down. Here it is. Purpose plus commitment equals function. So, so I've just given you your purpose. Now, what you need to attach to that purpose is a commitment. I am committed to changing and impacting one life at a time. I'm committed to making this world a better place. Presidents have the same purpose. Pastors, stay-at-home moms, we all have that same God-given purpose, but you must attach commitment to it. The reason why things aren't functioning the way you want them to function is because our commitment is such short-lived. We commit to a good thing for two weeks and we drop it. But you got to be committed. And so personally, personally, and I'll pass these things on to you. uh, This is kind of like three buckets where I'm committed to making better all the time. Okay, so I want to pass these on. Go ahead and write these down. You got to be you got to be committed to making my family better. My purpose is to make my family better. Number two, and you'll, you'll begin to function. Number two, my church. Ask yourself, am I making my church better? By the power of God. I can't do it, but by the power of God, I'm going to build the kingdom of God in the world. Be committed to that for the rest of your life. Be committed to your family. Be committed to your local church. And number three, my city. I'm committed to the city. Committed. Came in committed. I said, God, you've given me eight adults and two kids. Lord, if you give me 20 adults and two kids, if you give me 100 adults and five kids, if you give me 200 adults, every time you give me more people, I'm going to send more people out to make this city better. You got to be committed to making these things better. Come on. And you got to be attached. You got to be attached. Don't detach because the moment the, there were see, I, I told you the other week that um, I can count on two hands where I wasn't in church for, for and so what was that? Uh, two and a half months, I think, if you do the weeks, whether they were together or split apart, I always felt that something was missing when I missed church, when I wasn't serving, when I wasn't giving. And I tried to fill it with, with going to the movies and, and having a little girlfriend on the side and doing, doing these things, trying to hide from God as if he doesn't see it. But I was just ending up in a dead-end spot. But whenever I would come into the house of the Lord and, and worship and reattach myself to, to those supernatural relationships, I, I would find that, that function again. Things would begin to fall, fall in place again. And the third strength of a healthy local church is number three, significance. Significance. Paul hits on this idea by saying that the least honorable parts receive the greatest honor. Every every person in this room is significant. He said to the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1, he said, here it is, God said this to him, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Wow, that's powerful. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. God says, I, I... I knew you before I formed you in your mom's belly. And, and, 
and you're significant. Anyone knows what this part of your body is? This little ugly? The tragus, right? And and the function of the tragus, you're smart. The function of the tragus is to catch, wow, oh, wow, that's how you know it. She had it pierced. (laughs) It's to catch sound from behind you. The antitragus is to catch sound from the front. But, 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 you know, this, if you don't have this, you're not hearing a lot of chatter about you behind your back. You know what I mean? But it's a little thing. Go ahead and feel that. Online, feel this thing. It's tragus. It's right there, that little knob. Feel it. You always looked at it as a kid. You thought it was ugly. And you wonder, what in the heck is it there for anyway? But it helps you to hear from behind. There's this part of your tongue called the frenum. Right there, that, that little... Yeah. And, and, and it, it prevents your tongue from going into your throat. It, it keeps it in place. It keeps it in place. But we don't see it. We don't think about it. We see the little blue veins that attach to it. You know what I mean? But it keeps you from dying at night. It is very significant. You know that little nub right there on the side of your foot? That little thing on the side of your foot right here? Some of y'all got a, a yellow corn right there on it. You know it. You know I ain't lying. I don't. Y'all do. But if you were to lose it, you couldn't walk or run. If you feel insignificant, it's because you're not attached to a healthy body that understands its significance. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're not attached. You're you're detached. And, and, and we, got, we got people everywhere in this church. There's someone back there right now teaching us the Bible. They have on a black shirt. You don't know they're there? Every now and then I yell at them, I shouldn't, I need to change that. And say, hurry up, change it. But they're there. And, and nine times out of ten is Sonia. Give it up for Sonia, everybody. Is Sonia or someone awesome? Right? But, but she's significant. Amen. And she deserves honor. There's someone right now teaching your kids and sharing the gospel yeah, right. with your children. They have on a blue kid shirt. Yeah. They don't get the glory. Yeah. They don't get the fame. It's a war zone back there. <laughs> all boys, all girls, whatever. But they're significant in the eyes of God. There's someone out there right now in the cold, during the cold months, snowy, out there parking cars. There's someone cleaning the bathrooms. There's someone putting this place in order, vacuuming between services. Then those same people from all those teams will converge out there in that lobby and pray for guests. And guests will receive healing and breakthrough and the power of God will fall upon those guests. Every single part of the body of Christ is significant. Every single part of the body of Christ matters. It all matters. In every life in this room, go ahead and write this down. 
is significant to God. Every life in this room is significant to the, the Father. I want to tell you how significant you are. We're going to go ahead and close this out. Just, just think about this with me. Open your heart, open your mind, and think about this real quick. How significant you are. Here it is. Just three thoughts. Because the Bible teaches that God exists three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let me tell you how significant you are. Number one, here it is. The Father created you. The Father created you. Number two, the second reason you're significant, the Son died for you. And the third reason you're so significant to God is number three, the Spirit wants to live in you. The Father created you. The Son died for you. And the Spirit wants to live in you. He wants to be with you all the time. And he loves you so much. You're so significant. I, I have these, um, these, I used to, well, I call them leadership declarations, but I changed it to life declarations. And I declare these over my life once a week. Just to remind myself of how significant I am. And I, I just pass them on to you. I'll try to, Memorize them as much as I can, like the top four or five. But the first one I always declare every week, and it's like every Monday morning when I wake up to read my Bible. I just, I put my right hand and, and I just declare it. I say, number one, I was created on purpose for a purpose. Based on Jeremiah 1, I was created on purpose for a purpose. Then I go into this next thought of how Ooh, this one's always powerful. God was intentional about the parents he chose for me. Because a lot of us battle. Man, if I was in this neighborhood or if I had that dad or if I had that situation. Or, no, no, no. God was very intentional about the parents he chose for you. I declare that. I declare that. And I thank God for that. Then that third thought is, I had to experience what I experienced in order for God to produce me. And that just guards against bitterness. And it just reminds me that the hand of God has been with me every, every step of the way. I, I had to experience that in order for God to produce me and to bring me to where I am. Then the other thought is, I have gaps but God will fill my gaps. I declare that. I got gaps. The Lord's going to fill them. I am significant. I matter. You matter. God loves you. And he built the church so that you could function bow our heads so that you can function. 
Now, I'm going to give a call for salvation, and, and this isn't about the church. This is between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe today you're saying to yourself, man, I, I want to give my heart to the Lord. It is the day where I'm coming to God, and I want to be changed forever. Everyone, let's intercede. Close your eyes. Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on. It's not a, not a passive time. This is the most important time of our service. Maybe you're saying today, Lord, I've been running, but I'm tired of running. And today I'm going to give you my heart. And I want you to change my life forever. Maybe you know Christ, but you've been, you've been since backslidden is what we call it. But today you, you're coming back to the Lord. So I want to lead you in a prayer. Just need to offer up your faith and God is going to forgive you. He's going to cleanse you. He's going to give you the gift of his spirit. Let's pray. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Lord God, I ask that you would forgive me for all of my sins. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave. Now I ask for the gift of your spirit. Make me new. Make me new. And give me the strength to honor you all the days of my life. I love you. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Celebrate loud. Loud. Love you guys.